What would you do if you knew that you would leave this world in about 40 days from now? How would that change your life? Assuming that it would. It's not something we like to think about, is it? Because as humans uh, in our current culture and society, we kind of do everything that we can to put that day back, right? We take medicines. We apparently heat, heat, eat healthier. Uh, We take vitamins, supplements, medicines, all the stuff that we can to put back that inevitable day. We don't like to think about it. But what if you knew? What if you knew that 40 days from now you would leave this world? What would that change for you? There's a beautiful lady called Anne who has a husband and two kids. When she was in her mid-30s, she was told that she had cancer and that it was so aggressive that she only had a few weeks to live. And it's a horrible thing to be told. It is a horrible thing to be told. It's heartbreaking when you know the story. And there's lots of questions that we could ask around this. But there's one thing that I want to focus on in this story. Before Anne passed away, what did she do with her remaining time on earth? Now, Anne did what you would expect her to do, but she also got two large wooden boxes, uh, boxes that would last, one for each of her kids. And in those boxes, she would write letters and put the letters for each of her kids. And she had a device where she would record videos and put those in there as well for each of her kids when she sort of felt well enough to, to record the videos. And she'd sort of told stories that only a mum could tell their kids. You see, for Anne, her final words were important. What she said to those she loved in those last few weeks would be remembered by them, and so they had to count. And if I think about it, if I knew that in 40 days I would depart this earth, I think I'd also do what Anne did. I would write letters and record videos. I would say the things that I would want people to remember. I would let those around me know that I'm on their side, that I love them, that I care for them, that I am for them, that I am proud of them. But that's me. What about Jesus? What did Jesus do? What did he do before he left this earth? You see, he had risen from the dead, but he knew that he was going to go soon. And he had about 40 days. So during that time, what did he say to those around him? What did he do with them? Did Jesus let them know that he was on their side? Did he let them know he was for them? Well, that's what we're going to find out. Now, we're right here at the beginning uh, at the book of Acts. Last week, John Harding gave us a great overview of the book and how it bridges the life of Jesus on earth to the work of the Holy Spirit in the early church. So this week, as we start our deep dive into the book of Acts uh, in much more detail, we're going to begin with the first three verses. So Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. And it reads, in the first book, O Theopolis, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Well, there's a lot in these verses. And like I say, John last week gave us an overview. And in there, he talked about Theopolis. He explained who he was and why Luke was actually writing this letter. 
Uh, and if you've not heard it, definitely check it out. And before we start looking next week uh, with Sharon at the coming of the Holy Spirit, this week I want to look at those 40 days that Luke kind of introduces us to. The gap between the death, burial and resurrection of Christ and then when Jesus uh, departs this earth. It's those 40 days that I'm interested in. I really know what, what happened. What did Jesus do? How did he make the most of that time? Because after all, this is the risen, glorified Christ. He knew that he would soon depart. So what did he say and what did he do? Well, Luke gives a summary of what Jesus did by saying that he presented himself alive by many proofs. And Luke also uh, lets us know what Jesus said by giving us a summary of what he talked about, which was the kingdom of God. So let's look at these two things. Firstly, Jesus presented himself alive by many proofs. This is really, really important if the Christian faith is going to succeed, right? As the Christian faith centers around this idea of the resurrection. If there is no resurrection, there is no Christianity, right? Even the Apostle Paul a few years ago, a few years ago, it was definitely a few years ago, but a few years after Jesus ascended, he wrote about this to the Corinthian church. In 1 Corinthians 15 verse 17, he said this, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. In other words, the resurrection is the critical part of all of this. So Jesus presents himself and proves who he is to many, many people. And it's critical for this movement, for this Christianity, this uh, early church, if it's going to get any kind of traction for this to happen, especially as we're going to see that the early church has to deal with a lot of persecution. And let me tell you, you don't endure that kind of persecution if there's no reason not to endure it. No reason that is bigger than the persecution that you are facing. So at the time of Christ, there were all kinds of weird and wonderful theories and examples about gods and deities and ghosts and goblins and all that sort of stuff. And there were all kinds of stories about epiphanies um, that people would have, you know, for divine guidance. And a second century Greek philosopher called Celsus, who was an opponent of Christianity, compared the resurrection appearances of Jesus to the Hellenistic epiphanies at the time in seeking to undermine Christian claims. In other words, Jesus didn't appear in physical form. These were just epiphanies. These were dreams. These were ghost-like things appearing. And that's how, how he talked about it. But whilst epiphanies were commonly, commonly, it's not an easy word, <laughs> uh, were commonly reported in ancient times, well, these aren't resurrection appearances, are they? See, Jesus physically appears to to, uh, to people to prove who he is. He talks to people, he eats with people. This is not a ghost. This is not a dreamlike appearance uh, as, as the Greek philosopher reported it was. No, this was genuine. People had to believe. Jesus had to prove who he was. And if we back up a few verses in the Corinthian letter that Paul wrote about Christ, he said this in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 4, he said, uh, he, Jesus, was buried. He was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. 
Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. That doesn't sound like a ghost, does it? This is not a personal dream when he appears to 500 people at once. Yeah, you, that's not a straightforward trick to pull off, uh, even in modern day standards. So Jesus appears to hundreds and hundreds of people during these 40 days, right? And there's one story in the midst of all of this that really, really intrigues me. And it's, it's where the disciples are hanging out with Jesus, but they don't, they don't, they don't kind of realize that it's the risen Jesus. It's really, really intriguing. In Luke chapter 24, it says this, when he, Jesus, was at the table with them, his disciples, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And it was at this point their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Wow. I mean, they sit down with Jesus. They ate with Jesus, but they still didn't realize who he was. That's insane, isn't it? And I say I see this today um, for many of us. Uh, you know, there are many proofs out there, I think, to the Christian faith, to the resurrected Christ. But we might not see it. We might be like these disciples. And I know for me, I didn't necessarily see it at first, but it's as I hang out with Jesus, as I start to eat with him, as I start to experience um, him in my every day. It's then I start to understand the many proofs and I experience the many proofs that he is alive, that he is, in fact, the risen Christ. It's only when we spend time with him that we start to see him for who he really is. And it was important for Luke and actually for Paul to highlight that Jesus was no mere ghost, that he was more than this epiphany, that he was more than a ghost. And it was also important for Luke to make clear that Jesus was actually dead so that he wasn't a phantom. This is all part of the reason for writing the stuff that he wrote. Jesus really died. Jesus really rose from the dead. And it talks about the uh, disciples. So you've got this, uh, this sort of they're eating around the table. They have this revelation of who Jesus, they recognized him. And a few verses later, it says, but they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit, a ghost. And he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, and he said to them, have you anything here to eat? <laughs> they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it before them. I mean, I, <laughs> the reason I laugh, right? Imagine, right, you are there, you're eating fish with the risen Christ and you start to realize who he is and you're like, scared because of the implications of this and you think well this must be a ghost and she's like no I'm not a ghost touch me but they're all having this sort of same vision at the same time which no one ever has right like I say it would be the ultimate trick even in modern day standards and in the midst of all of this she's like no touch me feel me oh by the way guys have you got anything to eat <laughs> it just tickles me it just tickles me you see it's only when we start to live our everyday life engaging with Jesus that we start to see who he really is. We see that the king is on our side. So we have to ask ourselves, am I on his? 
So, what did Jesus talk about around the many dinner tables he seems to share with people eating fish? I mean, Luke told us that he talked about the kingdom of God, right? In the first three chapters of Acts, that's how he summarized it. It was that Jesus talked about the kingdom of God. So what is the kingdom of God? Why would you talk about that? I mean, imagine your final words, the 40 days, they've got to count. Jesus chose to talk about the kingdom of God. And it's important to understand this because the kingdom of God frames the book of Acts. And it's a topic that we're going to see come up time and time again. We will see all through Acts that not only did Jesus talk about it, but that his disciples, his followers also talk about the kingdom of God. There's an example uh, just a few chapters along that no doubt we will cover again in a few weeks. But there's a guy called Philip. Uh, who is preaching, right? And it says that they believed, the crowds believed, uh, as Philip preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus, they were baptized, both men and women. It's pretty impressive, right? See, Philip was talking about the kingdom of God. He was talking about this king, Jesus, a different kingdom in which they were living. And so, He told them that the king is on their side and they, it seems, decide to be on his. They follow Christ. They choose to live in a new kingdom. The kingdom of God is a huge topic and that is a massive understatement. Uh, Jesus talks about it a lot, right? Basically filling all of the gospels with the principles of the kingdom of God, like promising it to the poor and to children and to the radically obedient, which is in direct contrast to what people thought at the time. See, Jesus talked about how it would be difficult for the rich man to enter the kingdom of God. You may have heard that it's easier to get a camel through the eye of a needle story, for example. And this is not because of the money or because of the riches, but because they would learn to trust in that much more than they could trust in Jesus. You see, to be in God's kingdom means accepting that he is, in fact, your king. You see, I live in the UK, the United Kingdom. We now have a new king, King Charles. He is my king. I cannot accept, uh, accept, I cannot escape that fact. And I live under the rule of the United Kingdom. But to be in God's kingdom, well, I now have a different king. And that means accepting his rule and understanding that the king is on my side and asking, am I on his? I mean, and this is really, really, really hard to do in a culture that loves to affirm its own truth and its own rule, truth and rules. They're whatever I feel like, not what somebody tells me. You cannot tell me how to live, how to be and how to act. I don't want that. So how can we accept the Lordship of Christ? Because let me tell you, one thing is for sure. You will not always like his rule. It's why a lot of people deconstruct their faith. It's because they don't like what they think Jesus is telling them to do. And it's the hardest thing I have to do to decide daily that Jesus is my king and that I am subject to his rule. The king is on my side, but am I on his? You see, subjecting myself to the rule of Christ might seem countercultural. But let me tell you, it becomes an awful lot easier to do when we realize this simple fact. Jesus is 
for us. Paul talked about this in a letter to the church in Rome, and he said, what shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? The king is on my side. That's what makes all of this possible. That's what makes it so much easier in a lot of ways. When we understand that he is for us, that he is not against us, that he loves us, and dare I say it, likes us, that Jesus is not a dictator king, and that he is our friend and our brother, and that we are part of this family, that he is therefore good, and he is worthy of our worship. And it's easier to listen to Jesus, to accept his rule, to accept his kingship, when you know that he is for you, and that what Whatever he says, whatever he commands, whatever the truth is, is ultimately for your good. The king is on my side. Am I on his? The kingdom of God is open for anyone that wants to be a part of it. And the Bible tells us that it is radically inclusive, even to those uh, in society that may be deemed as outcasts, like, for example, the poor and the children as they were at the time of Christ. One of the heroes uh, of the people at the time of Jesus was a chap called John the Baptist. And Jesus tells us uh, that we can be part of the kingdom and find a role and a purpose and a meaning that is in fact greater than John's, their hero at the time. He wrote this, uh, he wrote this, uh, some, Luke wrote this uh, in chapter 7 verse 28. He said, I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Imagine the listeners listening to Jesus as he speaks out these words. How radical that statement is. I mean, it's, <laughs> it is pretty intense. And God's kingdom is radically inclusive. And I just like the word radical. It is radically inclusive and it has purpose and it has meaning for those who are part of it. See, we can start to see, I think, why Jesus spent his last 40 days on earth talking about the kingdom of God. We can see why when Philip talked about it, people believed and the world was changed. And as we spend time with Jesus, we start to see him for who he really is. He is the king of a kingdom a kingdom that is radically different from the one in which we live right now. We start to live a life where we see Jesus as king. We live according to his rules and in accordance with the culture of his kingdom. Scripture talks about the kingdom of God in a present tense, as in we are now part of the kingdom of God, and in a future tense. And it's a tension that we live in. It's both now and in the future. And it's in this future reign of the coming king that gives us hope, especially those who are going to be persecuted as the church would soon be. See, I've heard many people who use suffering as an argument that there is no God because a God of love surely would not allow suffering. Yet we learn about a God of love who gives us the ability to choose, the ability to have free will. And that despite the suffering, there is in fact still hope that justice will win. It's because there is suffering and evil that God has to exist. 
If you are oppressed, you can nurture the hope that God's justice will ultimately triumph. Otherwise, it all is a bit meaningless. The kingdom of God has a king, and this king is Jesus. This is not a king who is passive, who uh, forces you to do things. Yes, his rule is strong, and he is, let's be real, God, one who is not to be trifled with. He is Lord. He does provide a law to live by, but he is for us. This kingdom has its own distinct people, which is the church. It's amazing. And I'm part of that. So the king is on my side. Am I on his? And it's this message that Jesus shared with people around the tables, doing life together for those 40 days. It is this message that we can live life with Christ, that he proves to us that he is who he says he is, that he is king and that he is Lord and that anyone who chooses can be part of that kingdom to choose to live a life differently, to receive a mission from the risen Christ, to live a life of purpose and meaning and one that gives us ultimate hope in the face of the worst that the world can throw at us. It's not easy, but it is beautiful. And you can see why that was the important message. This is the message that people took to heart and they believed and it transformed the world. And I think it can do the same again today. And as we go through Acts, you see, we're going to see what happens when ordinary people spend time with Jesus and live as part of his kingdom. How that transforms history, how the church movement is born, and more importantly, how those same truths apply to us today. To live life of purpose and meaning, I think then we have to take to heart these two ideas and ask ourselves, how can I live my every day with Jesus? And what is the kingdom of God and what is my role in it? And as we grapple with these questions, just as the early church did, as we become willing to live according to his rule, under the knowledge that he is utterly for us, then the outcome becomes miraculous. We become kingdom builders. We become part of something bigger. We become part of a story that can last for thousands and thousands of years. Coming up, we have Conversation Street. But before we get into that, here's a clip from our podcast, What's the Story, which you can subscribe to on all your favorite podcast apps. They had nothing, Matt, like no things, you know, the word mm. nothing, no thing. Like literally the clothes on their back, if they had clothes, and I'm not joking, yeah. the people we were, you know, working yeah. with in Sudan during the war, Sierra Leone during the Civil War there. Um, the church was beautiful and they were so full of joy, man. And they were like being persecuted and they were starving. Their babies were starving. No joke. I'm not, you know, and yet they were so full of joy. And, I, and yeah. as I would go there and I'd come home and I go there and I'd come home, I remember praying, dear God, you know, I, I want to have what they have. I'd give anything for their joy yeah. and relationship with yeah. you.
welcome back. Well, that was really good. And also the um, podcast looks good as well. I need to get that um, subscribe to that and streaming so I can just get through. Yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's an especially good episode um, quite early on that I feature on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, but like I, I, I do listen to it. I think it's a great podcast. I think. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just love um, real people's stories. I like can't get enough of it. I could mm-hmm. listen to podcasts all day where it's just like conversational and it's yeah. people's real stories about their real lives and their real faith and their struggles and that's what that's what it's all about and um, what's your story just as the title kind of suggests and I love that I love that that's um that's kind of what it does and yeah I just find it inspiring to hear ordinary people talk about their lives yeah yeah I agree mm. and um Segwaying into Axe and Matt's talk. Mm. Yeah, that's what it is. It's real people. And it, well, it starts off with Jesus and the fact that he was a real person. Um, A bit of the start of the the talk there was that, um, well, do you want to, do you want to say first if there's any, any, any parts that really, you wanted to bring out and then yeah I mean, questions yeah i mean there's just there's so, so much content in that wasn't there it's such a lot of ground that matt covered in quite a short talk um but i mean i i just thought it was really inspiring right from the start like uh even just that first question like it didn't pull any punches did it mm-hmm. like if, if you knew you only had 40 40 days left or thereabouts yeah. on earth, like what would you do i mean yeah, I'm just instantly challenged by that because it's, you know, I, I agree. And he talked about his friend Anne and how she'd written, you know, and filmed stuff for her children. And mm. of course, you'd you'd want to see and spend time and invest into family and friends, wouldn't you? But I also think my natural human nature would be like, well, I'd just like spend all my money and do all the things and have some fun and do things I never got around to and, you know, just like enjoy myself. And, um, you know, the first thing that doesn't come to mind, if I'm totally honest, is, well, I would, you know, it would all be about the kingdom of God and serving mm-hmm. others, and, you know, what I'm investing into that. And, yeah. you know, that's challenging, isn't it? But that was, yeah. Jesus was so about the kingdom of God that that was his first Absolutely. kind of instinct. You know, that's yeah. what he did. He, he yeah. invested into the kingdom of God wholeheartedly. Yeah, he almost... It was his challenge, wasn't it? It was 40 days I've got for you mm. to to realise that, yes, I've had, you know, years with you talking, bringing this message, but I'm passing it over to you now. Here's 40 mm. days, let's get, get with the programme. <laughs> you know, let's um, really get into this kingdom mm. of God, what, what your place is in it. Yeah. And, yeah definitely. and I do like that he talks about eating and seeing. Like Matt said, it's not, um, you know, there were lots of things from that time about epiphanies and dreams and um, visions, mm-hmm. but this is, this is reality. This is mm-hmm. life. This is eating, you know. <laughs> I love it. The disciples go, oh, it's Jesus. And he says, yeah, 
could have something to eat. <laughs> yeah, it's so real and so human, mm. isn't it? It's like, it, it's like the point that Matt made that he's really intentional about showing that he's not like some ghost or some mm. like figment of their imagination or like some Greek hallucination or, you know, other things yeah. people suggest. But he's fully there, he's fully human, he's real, you know, he's, mm. yeah, it's like you can touch and feel him and see him is like yeah. as real as he was before his death and and like it's interesting isn't it like he goes to real pains to show that and you know so things like eating and drinking and just sitting with them around the table and stuff mm. the ordinary sort of substance of life is what he's also fixed on yeah. as even as he's teaching them about kind of the kingdom of god and things are much bigger than that he's like also in the those ordinary moments as well yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. And even if even in those ordinary moments we can we can see God and we can listen to him and we can do what he wants us to do or we can miss him. Mm. And I think it's it's critical in that that the disciples missed him, he was right next to them. Yeah. And they missed that it was he was there. And you can just do life, can't you? I do find that if especially if if life is busy or hectic or you've got um, worries or yeah. targets or events coming up, we we can do them and get through them. Yeah. And we can miss, I think we can miss Jesus in, in our lives. Yeah. Um, perhaps we need to slow down. Perhaps we need to, yeah, just pause, listen. Um, taking with us rather than compartmentalizing in and putting yeah. into dif different slots. Yeah, I think that's such a good point, Dan. I, I was really challenged by that bit too. That like Jesus was right there in their midst, and they almost didn't see him for being in front of mm. him. I just some, sometimes think when God's right in our midst, and yet we're so oblivious because, as you say, we're caught up in the moment or in what we're doing or our own agenda like you know I'm very I'm a very task focused person by nature like if there's something to be done I'm just going to get on and do it you know and find the quickest route to get it done and you know I know I know there's times when like I don't give my child my full attention because I'm doing something like just wait a minute I'm doing something I don't want to be interrupted or or inconvenienced and you know it's it's really easy to be like that with other people as well isn't it like you know, oh, I'm in the middle of doing something. I don't want to be interrupted by that person who needs something or that phone call or that, yeah. you know, like we can be like that in so many different ways or that neighbour who needs a little bit of help, you know, but I don't want to be inconvenienced because I'll be five minutes late to whatever important thing I'm doing. And like, and if we can be like that with human people who are in front of us, like, you know, how often are we like that with God as well? Like, yeah. it's so easy, isn't it, to kind of push spending time with God to the back of your like day like you know I you know my constant to-do list it's like it's so easy for me to let time with God slip lower and lower down that priority list because mm. I don't know it's less pressing than other things and yet deep down it's the most important thing yeah like I know it is so yeah it's but I find it kind of reassuring that the disciples were a bit like that even when they were sat in front of Jesus like that's strangely reassuring, isn't it? It's like, mm. oh, we're all like the rest of us, but we all need yeah. to be really careful to not miss Jesus in our midst and yeah. what he wants to do. 
yeah absolutely yeah yeah yeah, yeah that really jumps out at me yeah yeah um i put a few things down and and then matt kept saying this he said you know the king is on my side mm. am i on his and yes yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, in my head, I'm like, so Jesus is on my side. Is that, is that, is that controversial? Is that amazing? Where, where do, what am I thinking? I just think, that's amazing, isn't it? The king, <laughs> the king, the above, like Matt said, above our King Charles, the king, mm. he's on our side. Are we going to be on his side? Are we going to be with him? Mm. What we, what we as Christians doing about it? And if you don't know the King, you can know him. This is like, yeah, this is God. This is the King, the Kingdom mm. of God. You can come in and be part of that. Um, it's a wonderful, a wonderful, wonderful thing. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I loved what uh, Matt said about how the Kingdom of God is like, like radically inclusive. And I hadn't really, I love that expression. I mean, I'm a bit of a wordy person anyway, but I, I you know, I, I love the way you express that. It's like, I hadn't really thought of it in those terms before. Like, the kingdom of God is radically inclusive. So, like, anyone's welcome. And, mm. you know, and Jesus really showed that, didn't he? And, um, yeah, it was like his interest in the poor or yeah. the least, the people that other people pass by because they weren't important in his culture and his day, like women or the poor or those that were less educated or yeah. whoever they were. He, he you know, I, I love that. I love that, you know, this kingdom was for anyone and mm. it's still for anyone today. It's anyone's welcome. And, you know, you wouldn't always think that looking at um, religious people and religious institutions, but it's absolutely true. And it's the heartbeat of Jesus and, yeah. Um, yeah, it's right there from the start of the church, yeah, and it is. we do well to remember that sometimes as yeah. like the church today, wouldn't we? Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because we get we're people, aren't we? We we get things wrong. The church gets things wrong. The our stuff yeah. gets bigger and more official, or has to write mm. stuff down and veers off to the left and the right, and um, mm. that's that's man's idea of things. Jesus yeah. says, come, come be in my ki kingdom. All yeah. you are, are weary and heavy laden, come. Mm -hmm. There is no, there's no um, ruling anyone out. We can mm -hmm. all be a part of, part of this kingdom. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. And I, I loved um, the idea of what he said about, um, it's easy, because he talked about how like, um, Jesus is for us and he loves us and he's on our side, like you said. But then he also says, once you know that, it's so much easier to accept his rule and his authority yeah. and his reign yeah. and lordship of your life. Yeah. And that I thought that was such a key point because actually sometimes it can be like, well, I don't know if I want anyone else to kind of have a say in my life or how I live or, you know, to kind of come under anyone or anything. And, yeah. you know, like, today we're fiercely independent aren't we as a culture i think mm. probably more than ever and um we live quite independent lives really a lot of us even though we have friends and family and you sort of think 
it's it's very easy to be a bit of your own island, doesn't it? And and yet, actually, it's not a scary thing to to come under the reign of Jesus when you know that He's totally for you. He's totally good, yeah. and He's totally on your side. Like that kind of blows my mind a bit. And I think it takes a lifetime because we don't. Who else do we know? who's completely good like you know like you and I are both married aren't we Dan and we love our spouses but they're they're not perfect I I know that I'm definitely not a perfect wife and you know there's nobody else in our lives who like is 100% trustable all of the time 100% you know kind of good all the time like and so it's it's um yeah it's just it's quite a mind-blowing thought isn't it that actually person that you're that you're giving your life to is all of those things 100 percent high yeah and it like you like you said it's something we can rest in that that he's he's made those decisions he's he's for us i've just i've just been watching um jack ryan um on amazon prime and it's all like oh but you know he's a soldier and he has to um, listen to orders but it's like, oh, what are your orders is it you know are the orders from some corrupt official or um I don't know, it's a whole story i quite like those kind of things but we don't have to worry about that because as you said he's his kingship and his love for us is is overwhelming and great that we yeah. can come under that rule without any fear yes yeah. we don't have to worry we don't have to even don't have to question it because we can rest in those decisions knowing that um, he's got our best intentions. Mm. Uh, no, that's not the right word. He's got how, um, he's got what's good for us. Always got yeah. what's good for us. Yeah. 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 And, um, and then he got a little bit onto the whole theme of suffering, which is, I know we've looked at before in Crown Church and it's a huge subject on its own isn't it so I don't want to get too like down that track but also there were some incredible points on that around um like yeah that whole thing of like sometimes that argument around or how can God be for me and love me you know if if there's still suffering in the world and how that can kind of um suffering can be used as an argument can't it sometimes Mm. and I'm sure you've heard it as well Dan from people that like how can God be real or true or really love me if this is happening and then like what did you think about that bit that that was quite an interesting section wasn't it yeah I think it's um it is that argument isn't it that we that well if God created suffering then what kind of God is that that we want to serve? But he's, he's created the um, free will and that choice. But even in, even in suffering, even when things are really hard, and I mean, they had it hard yeah. in the early church. They, they lived out um, stuff that we, in the West especially, we often just read about, don't we? Um, they, they really did suffer, and Jesus suffered. But ultimately... Um, we've got that assurance that we can we can be with him. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's um, it's that thing of yeah, free choice, but it's a bit of you know, if 
Jesus is as good as he says he is and he showed himself to be. It's a bit of a no-brainer, isn't it? Yeah. It's yeah. like, why wouldn't you follow that kind of king? Uh, you know, yeah. I, it's interesting because I've been watching, I don't know if probably half the world has, but and the other half of the world is avoiding it, but they're like Meghan and Harry sort of yeah. debacle <laughs> at the moment. But I think the thing that kind of, I take, um, I mean, I'm not going to get into it, but like the thing that sort of strikes me about listening to this talk tonight is that even kings who are trying to be the best fathers they can be, like the current king, King Charles, and, you know, he's still fallen out with Harry, his son, which is, you know, whatever you think of them both, it's mm. incredibly sad that there's been this breakdown of relationship. And, um, you know, he he's always says, like, uh, his dad says, my darling boy, and he clearly loves him and is for him and wants to do good by him. And yet the accusation of Harry is that he hasn't done good by him. And actually quite often he's briefed the press against him and his, not necessarily him personally, but his team have briefed against him in, in the media. And so it's like even kings, you know, that are the best kings that you could, you know, the best, the best kind of, even kings are trying to do the best by their own families and, um, yeah, and trying to be the best that they can be, get it so wrong, don't they? And mm. and yet, this king that we're talking about really is perfect. And yeah. that's mind-blowing. And I, I was just thinking about it in line of, you know, even the best efforts of human kings just fall so far short, doesn't it? They just yeah. doesn't meet their mark. It's not mm. the kind of king you can get behind 100% yeah. and think I would give everything for that. But yeah. this king... And his kingdom is totally different and mm. it is something you can get behind because it is wholly good and wholly yeah. perfect and wholly worthwhile yeah and um yeah i i just that was kind of in the back of my mind when i was like listening to matt tonight it's like oh gosh yeah it's so different to even the best attempts mm. in our human world this kingdom yeah. of god is a whole other thing yeah absolutely yeah I think the, the last thing I've written down here is um, what's my role? I mm. we Jesus says, "Come, be part of this kingdom," um, and what's our role in that kingdom? And mm. I've been talking to people today, and also um, just talking with my son Luke, and mm. he he's really good at puzzles. He's like loves yeah. doing Rubik's cube. He can do that in in seconds. It's like it's mind blowing. It's very, amazing. I've seen one. I've yeah, seen one. Yeah. Very. Everyone check that Luke if you get a chance. He's like, it's like it's brilliant. Um, but sometimes he can get frustrated because he can't do things. And um, I was talking to a friend of mine today and saying it's not about what we can do. Mm. It's about who God's made us to be. It's who we are in him. It doesn't matter our skills or our lack of skills in certain things. Um, again, he he's a king that's got a uh, a role for us and he's a king that's mm. got um, a perfect plan for us. And we can, again, we can rest in that, can't we? That mm. in him is our identity and in this mm. kingdom is our, in our identity as well. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I love that. That's a really good point. It's like, uh, 
you know, our lack is like filled by him, isn't it? If yeah. he's called you to do something, um, it's, you know, it's not a case of like, do I have what it takes? It's a case of obedience and yeah. that he'll give you the tools that you need to do what he's asking of you. Yeah. So exactly. it is, it is just a question of obedience, isn't it? And that everything else that you need to do it will fall into place. Cause mm. I mean, how can it not when the king has all of the resources under heaven, yeah. at, yeah. you know, in his hands and um, yeah, everything that yeah. you could need. So, yeah. I think that, that would be a bad king, yeah. wouldn't it? If he said, come into my kingdom, but I've got nothing for you to do. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. there's, there's no place for you. I'll come in. Yeah. And, no yeah. Role. Yes. Yeah. No role. No um, purpose. Mm. Yeah. It, that's an exciting thing to find, um, find purpose and find. Yeah. Um, hear his voice for. Mm what he's got for us and do you, as individuals. And do you think that's, um, that's kind of a sort of something that slowly unravels? Do you think it's something that people find all in one go or like can be a bit of a Like how do you think people find that purpose? Yeah. That sense of I, like it's called? Yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, you, you can read books and hear people that have had a, you know, a word from God or something massive has transformed their life and they've gone and done that. You think, wow, that was amazing. Um, mm. But for me, it hasn't been that. It's just been a, a steady, um, okay, what, God, what do you want me to do? Do you want me mm. to go here? Do you want to speak to that person? Um, mm. Which job should I take? Mm. You know, I, I give it to you, I take this job. Oh, that, that person there, I can be good friends with them. I can tell them about you. Um, mm. That's what it's been for me. It's just been a lot of series of of questions and, and answers. Mm. Like small How steps, is it? Yeah. I think, I think my experience is fairly similar. And, you know, I do have friends who've had major revelations from God very quickly or suddenly or... You know, the whole they come come to know God, and their whole life has changed overnight. And you know, I know both you and I have grown up in Christian families, haven't we? So yeah. that's been more of a, I guess, it figures. But I think a lot of people I speak to that that's the same thing. That mm. it's been a slow discovering of who you are and what you're gifted at, and what, how God's made you to work, and how your your sort of mind and you know how you tick as a person, really, and what mm. you know what kind of um, you're good at and how you can use the resources and maybe God getting your attention or giving your heart for a certain person or group of people or issue and then just sort of following that and seeing where mm. it takes you I think yeah. that's been very much my experience like mm. oh you know I feel really moved about this issue and then God saying so what are you going to do about it it's like oh I don't know yeah. and then maybe it's like well I guess I could start by just doing this little thing like just find out a bit more online and then maybe I could I don't know give a few hours of my week to like you know do something practical for this group of people or this mm. individual or yeah it can be really big or it can be really small can't it um yeah, yeah but that's always been my sort of experience too that's mm. I think that's often how God works though not entirely as you say yeah yeah exactly yeah. um I think we've almost come to our time yeah. so um next week 
um, as in the comments have popped up, um, Sharon's going to speak on the Holy Spirit. So that'll be really good. Looking forward to that. Yeah, that'll be a good one. I'm looking forward to it as well. Yeah. So I think we will say good night. Yeah, enjoy tonight. It's been good yeah. chatting to you, and um, yeah. thank everyone for for turning up. Otherwise, it'd just be the two of us talking to each other, wouldn't it? Oh, yes, right. in different houses. Yes, <laughs> thanks for listening um, live and and listening back at other times. And again, if you've got any questions, just fire them in, please do. Yeah, definitely. Thanks very much. See you soon, everyone. Take Bye. care. Thank you so much for joining us here on Crowd Church. Now, if you are watching on YouTube, make sure you hit the subscribe button as well as that little tiny bell notification to get notified the next time we are live. And of course, if you are listening to the podcast, uh, the live stream podcast, make sure you also hit the follow button. Now, by smashing the like button on YouTube or writing a review on your podcast platform. It helps us reach more people with the message that Jesus really does help us live a more meaningful and purposeful life. So if you haven't done so already, be sure to check out our website, www.crowd.church, where you can learn more about us as a church, more about the Christian faith, and also how to connect into our church community. It has been awesome to connect with you, and you are awesome. It's just a burden you have to bear, and hopefully we'll see you next time. That's it from us. God bless you. Bye for now.